Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Back. And thank you for listening. David. What's up? Big day. Yes, it is. Big Episode 100. Yeah, 100 of these. Well, yeah, I know. It's very exciting. So here's how we're celebrating. Okay, then. Uh, uh, I'm telling you, Tyler, because yeah, you no. don't know yet. No, you're, I got the email. You're it's blindfolded at the moment. Right. Um, <laughs> we're having uh, two guests back. We're having our, our, our first guest ever, Matt Belknap. Oh, hi. Uh, and we are having... Well, half of our, uh, m- by downloads, most popular guest, Joel Church Cooper. I don't know why we have to make the other guests <laughs> feel bad about that. Because incidentally, I don't know if you know or not, Matt is in the room. I'm one of them. Yeah, and he di- he's, he's not doing well. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's just, he's... If you do the math, I'm one half of the most popular team, so yeah. maybe that equals out. There you go. That I'm only slightly more popular than Matt. Uh, okay. There you go. That makes me feel a little better. And... <laughs> Uh, apology to Erin Gibson who could not be here. She's on tour. Yes, she she is uh, she is flying to Texas (laughs) to take care of some shipping. Um, (laughs) If it was a better story, I'm sure I'd give it, but it it is the kind of thing that required her to be there. But she was very disappointed to uh, miss jabbering about movies, which we do often in our own time. Um, But, uh, okay, now, just to remind everybody, because there's been some... Okay, so... The Ship Parade show right. has started back up again. Right, we I changed the name. You changed the name. Why did you change it? What is it called now and why it's did you change it? It's now called the Bit Parade Show. The Bit Parade. And uh, we changed it because no one liked the original name. Okay. And uh, <laughs> we didn't really like it. And then uh, people wouldn't come on the show because they thought the name was so stupid. <laughs> wow. And uh, wow. it got us flagged on iTunes because it was a curse word in the title. And... Um, and we thought, you know, if we're going to keep it going, we want to not just, you know, I mean, we were a music podcast that didn't really talk about music that much. So we thought we'd change the name and just start fresh, you know, by not just talking about music, but also talking about anything pop culture. So we started it again. It's me, Aaron, and Blake Walker, and, and it's called the thebitparadeshow.com. And uh, yeah, we just started putting up again. It's, it's nice to get back in the podcasting flow. All right. Uh, and are you still doing the roommating show? Yeah, we're, we're putting up another episode this month for roommating, and uh, yeah, and then I'm, that might be it for a while. We might be trying to do some other stuff, but all right. Well, welcome back. It's good to be here. I'm I'm glad I get to stretch my film nerd muscles a little bit. <laughs> all right. Now, and Matt. So, oh, I was I was gonna. Oh, okay. You don't I'll, mind. I'll let you. T- I'm sorry. Guys, don't ahead. fight. I'm sorry. So, Matt, what have you been up to in the in the 18 months since you've last been on our show? Uh, I did that math while Joel was talking. Thank <laughs> you. That's impressive math. Has it been that long? Yeah. yeah. What what episode was the one I was on? Twenty three. Twenty three. Ah, Jordan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, what have I been up to? I had a baby. My wife had a baby. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Uh, I've been doing Never Not Funny. For, That's right. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And, and cashing in. <laughs> uh, Never Not Funny. Yeah, yeah. You got a new car? I did get a new car. <laughs> what did you s- did uh, did you you rode in my old car, didn't you? Uh, no, I was never in your old car. Oh, okay, it was terrible. I've only been in your new car. It smelled like hay. <laughs> what? The mark of any. <laughs> how how, how did that come about in this day and age I don't in Los know. Angeles? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a really good question. Because before you were charging for Never Not Funny, you made some extra bucks giving like pumpkin rides at Halloween. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Open up the hatchback and yeah. uh, let kids ride on the back bumper. Why not? <laughs> it's fun times. You eventually had to stop when you got arrested for it. But uh... Yeah. Well, you're supposed to be licensed, and uh, I think that was my mistake. I just thought I could go rogue. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we've been uh, having fun on Never Enough Funny. Um, AST Records, my, my record label, is uh, putting out CDs. Um, Flourishing. 
flourishing is a strong word. <laughs> it's existing. It continues to exist. Um, and if I'm not wrong, uh, Paul F. Tompkins is recording his second AST yes. recording in Chicago. This might be breaking news, yeah. Uh, I thought that was... Well, it, maybe it's out there to some extent, but okay. uh, uh, it's, yeah, March 14th in, uh, at the Lakeshore Theater in, in Chicago. Hmm. We're going to record his second CD. Fantastic. Yeah. So Chicago listeners... We have, which we have quite a few because yeah, m- most of them are our friends. Most of people we know because <laughs> we live uh, there. G- go to the Lakeshore. Yeah, it's going to be a good uh, show. Well, there's actually two shows, I think. So if, uh, have you have you been to the Lakeshore Theater? No, before? no. Are you going? Obviously, yes, I this? will be there. I've uh, I've haven't when I when I lived there, that place wasn't like a comedy theater or anything. I don't think so. I but it looks like they're. I uh, think yeah. I think it just recently in the last few years um, changed hands and they yeah. just wanted to start doing more. It comedy. Seems like they're doing good things based on yeah. Their their bookings. So what do we want to talk about? Well, because here's uh, the deal. Here's what we're doing. I, I was boring myself. Yeah, okay, yeah. Hundredth <laughs> um, episode, uh, taking a novel approach by not putting a topic on the table. That's right. At all. That's right. We're not even going to leave through pages of Entertainment Weekly, which is the last <laughs> we did the last time we didn't have a that's topic. Right. <laughs> well, that's I'm I'm an expert in not having a topic podcasting. There that's you go. I've been doing for for over two years, so I'm I'm fully comfortable swimming in this uh, in this in the sea. Of uh, tangents, let's go. Well, it's a good thing we we invited you in. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm good at it. Let's, let's do this thing. All right. Well, so le- so let me throw this out there. Okay. What movies have you guys seen lately? Let's start with that. Uh, I saw Coraline in 3D last night. How'd that work out? Um, I think I thought I was a bigger Harry Selleck fan than I am. I okay. am a fan, but then seeing it, I, I came out of I was like, I appreciate the work. There's magnificent artistry. It's pretty good. But it didn't knock my socks off the way I maybe thought it was going to. Um, Is it better than Corpse Bride? Yeah, but he didn't do Corpse Bride, though. No, but it's kind of the... It's not as good as Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. So, uh, yeah, on, a, on the Henry Selick scale, uh, if, if, if 10 is Nightmare Before Christmas and 1 is Monkey Bone, <laughs> where, where <laughs> this is it like, This is like 7. Like, okay. no, Did he do James and the good. Giant Peach? Yes. yes. Okay. I think it's w- definitely worth seeing if... It's definitely worth seeing in the theater. Okay. I wouldn't know about 3D because we saw it in 3D, which was cool in some parts, but also like at the end of it, I saw it with five people and everyone's eyes hurt. Yeah, because I think you're supposed to not stare at the screen the entire time and like take breaks because huh. uh, your <laughs> eyes constantly straining to put the images together for. And it's mm. not a short movie; it's like an hour or forty minutes. Well, that's long that's for bullshit rule. They make you go in the theater and put the glasses on, but you, you're not supposed to look at the screen. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what, what did I pay I, for? I paid $16 for the Arclight for 3D. It's, it's tough to like take a one-minute break and, yeah. and look at nothing. But, uh, Was it really $16? I, th- I, I think they were paying the, it's the extra $2 from their peak. That sounds about right. Yeah, I saw it's 14 I think, now at Arclight for a fa- Friday night show. I saw U2 3D at... Um, the Universal, and I think it was like 15, and that's a shitty theater. So That's the worst. Yeah. It is the worst theater. <laughs> it really is. I hate that even the Even the 3D, th- uh, you know, house is like, it looks like it, you might as well be at the Beverly Center. That's how bad the theater is. It's just yeah. gray and lame. Also, we have listeners all over the world. <laughs> who Listen, might not have Beverly, Beverly Center, Center, everyone knows around the world that the Beverly Center is the worst our <laughs> multiplex our, our in our America. Our German listeners are like, oh, <laughs> Beverly Center. I've heard the about Beverly that. The Beverly Center is like the place where they did realize if a theater is only like 12 by 12 that just put a couple couches in there uh-huh. and make it seem cozy they just it's like yeah. r- a regular movie theater but so cramped and basically horrible. a screening room yeah well here's i'm kind of, a, kind of a movie theater nerd uh the beverly center has 13 screens and 
it, when it opened, it had more screens than any other theater in the country. So that's how old. <laughs> that yeah, they need to update that. <laughs> they need to they, cut it down or do something. Yeah. Same time, the Beverly Center is such a terrible place in general with terrible people. It kind of makes sense to have a terrible movie theater. <laughs> yeah, it fits right in uh, yeah. with that uh, that sneaker store called Chic. <laughs> <laughs> but they've got the the puppies when you come off the elevator. Uh, puppy mill puppies, oh man. Yeah, that's the saddest. That's the saddest kind of puppy. <laughs> that's that's shit. I I will protest that. I will protest the <laughs> the, the puppy mill. Uh, well, let me one last thought on Coraline, which right. is that uh, it's. It's its ideal its ideal audience member is a sort of funky thirteen year old girl who maybe has to go to Hot Topic to get shit, you know, because she <laughs> lives in the Midwest. She feels a little bit different. She'll love this movie. This will be like <laughs> this will be her favorite movie. She'll dye her hair blue and get weird mittens. And uh, so many hipster uh, manic pixie dream girls are going to name their daughter Coraline. <laughs> That's my other prediction. <laughs> and. Uh, is there I, any way to find out if that one will come true? I, listen, some of, some of my predictions are, you know, six months from now. Like when uh, when I saw Dark Knight, I was like, everyone's going to be Heath Ledger for Halloween. I thought that one came true. So <laughs> okay. this one, you know, that was, that was that was I could you know who knows if I'll be alive long enough to see whether the young girls are named Coraline. But I think that won't be true as well. Yeah. I had a question. You brought up uh, Coraline on three D in three D, and uh, I've not yet seen any new movies in three D. Like, the last thing I saw in 3D was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience at uh, <laughs> Disneyland. That's a fan. And then it's I, all downhill after that. Right. And then I, I and saw the Robinsons in 3D. I, I, here's the thing. I, this is a big thing. This this is going to be the year of 3D, so it's good that you bring this is up. It, I, have you seen? Well, you saw U2. I saw U2 3, 3D, right. yeah. Um, I think I thought that was cool. I mean, right. I don't know if I need it in my life like as a thing. It's not going to bring me back to the theater in a way that other event movies wouldn't. I just find myself wondering if it's, I don't know, it seems like such a gimmicky thing. And, like, every time every time I think of 3D, all I ever do is think of John Candy in SCTV, when it was 3D theater where he just holds uh, holds something up and then thrusts it towards, this, <laughs> towards the camera. Yeah. Um, but also, like... Now uh, imagine that is uh, Bono's crotch. <laughs> <laughs> now do you want to see it? You know what I kind of do. Yeah. Are there any crotches uh, <laughs> zooming towards me and Coraline? Oh, man, no. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but uh, but the, the thing I... Th they're going to need to do something, I think, to, uh, to get people back to the theater in a, in a big way because there's so many more options for entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. they, need, they need to bring back the spectacle. I mean, it goes back to when TV took over, you know, and, and was becoming more popular. That's when they got... Uh, the Cinerama Dome and 70 millimeter, right? And mm -hmm. like uh, widescreen, yeah. like super, super widescreen. So they need something to bring people back. And it's not, they, it's not really going to be 3D. I think it'll, the way it is now, I'm interested to see if Avatar, the James Cameron film, mm. which is supposed to be uh, 3D, but digital projection 3D, where you don't have to wear glasses, oh. um, whether that is the thing that changes things. You know, because it's like a 350, I don't know, maybe more million dollar movie before yeah. marketing. Uh, I, I think if he can make that spectacle sort of like almost like a you know a three U without glasses almost like a you know the the, the theater experience has changed because something's popping back at you doesn't seem artificial because you're not wearing stupid glasses. Okay, good. I think that will be that could be the game changer. That's what he's planning on anyway. And I also think that the glasses inherently make it feel old fashioned. Like you feel like you you think of that Life magazine yeah. cover mm -hmm. with everybody wearing the glasses. It's like it's it's a kind of 
old timey almost. Uh, but you know, if it yeah, if it's just you walk in, you see a movie, and you don't think about whether you're paying to see it in 3D or whatever, mm. it just is, and then it and it blows you away. That's going to be huge. Uh, when I, I you know I. And that is what they're doing. Is tr- you know, I think I agree that they're just trying to get people to have a reason to go to the movies. But I think if we learned anything this past year from The Dark Knight, it's like just make good movies and people will go see them. That's what I mean. You'd mentioned Cinerama and all these other things that expired. Like Cinerama didn't stick around. It was a gimmick and uh, yeah. and it it was novel. But it's uh, it r- I mean, people go to the movies I- in the end because well, when they're marketed well. Sadly, that's a big <laughs> reason. But in the end, good movies bring people. But it's hard to say as a as a business. It's hard to say. All right, we're just going to make good movies. I mean, like people try to do right. that, but that ultimately collapses when you can't right. consistently no, I, do it. Over I agree and over. with that. But they, but they don't even try. Instead, they they you know just make sequels or they yeah. use you know properties that we're already familiar with. Right. You know, and make movies out of them. Uh, they they don't even try to make good movies. Well, I you know. I am, <laughs> I am somewhat sympathetic to a studio executive who, one, ne- was never a creative person, but was was always probably interested in creative people. So gravitated towards a field where they're around them every day, and uh, they don't really know necessarily what makes a good movie, and or, or like what like from its origin, you know. Mm-hmm. And and even if they have a, a good property, there's no way to know at the end of the day if they're going to have a good movie. So all they can do at the start is can we market it. You know, because ultimately mm-hmm. they're they're you know in charge of billions and billions of dollars of someone else's money uh, in a field where there it's kind of a crapshoot. So I, I am somewhat sympathetic in their hackery to uh, <laughs> to you know produce a four quadrant movie with a trailer with lots of fart jokes and you know all that stuff because they, at a certain point they have to guarantee to bring people in the audience. Yeah, there was an article in New Yorker about Lionsgate marketing guy. And basically, how they're as a, like sort of an underdog, how they sort of fly under the radar, and how they get people in the seesaw. And uh, part of the article was about how they were trying to get people to see New in Town, the uh-huh. Zellweger movie, which though they never said it in the article, it was very clear it was terrible. Like, <laughs> very clear, Lionsgate knew it was terrible. That the re- author had seen it and he thought it was terrible. And so it was sort of reading between the lines. It was how to get people to see this shitty rom-com yeah. uh, that they've seen a million times before and how to sell it like they've seen, like, you know, like it's one of the good movies they've seen before and not one of the bad movies they've seen before. Yeah. Hmm. It's fascinating. I mean, I, I think that uh, the problem with uh, saying we're going to make good movies and that's going to succeed is that good movies often fail. And mm-hmm. maybe it's bad marketing or maybe it's um, challenging material to yeah. a wide audience; they just aren't ready for it, or the well, or the cast is not um, well known enough to bring in uh, the kind of audience that would make well, it successful. Maybe I should clarify what I meant. I guess, and you you mentioned the cast that in stars. We've talked about that on the show before. Uh, what what I meant by making good movies is not not necess- I, that was being kind of uh, kind of glib. I guess. Um, make movies that are about character and story. Mm-hmm. That's cuz even people who don't aren't self-analytical or don't think at all about the movies they're watching, what people respond to in a story is characters and story. Yeah. That, that I guess that's what I meant. Focus more on the things that people actually yeah. like about movies and not the thing that things that people like about posters and commercials. Right. <laughs> uh I heard uh Tom Pollock came to speak and at my college and he uh ran Universal for like 15 years or something. And then started Monocito Picture Company with Ivan Reitman. But he was considered like one of the most well-liked studio executives. 
and we had a pretty successful run with like uh, Jurassic Park, and I don't know, mm-hmm. he did do the right thing too, and uh, and his whole guiding philosophy, which is what H, which I, I only think the only the only corporation that I've seen do it that does media is HBO, which is we try to find the best in the business and we give them an amount of money that seems appropriate for to them to do the project that we can still probably make our money back, and we just we need to say go, we take you know we take mm-hmm. our hands out of the process. That's what I wish they would do more. You know, is like I think. You know, yeah, we need to tell better stories with with character and, and 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 focus on story, but we have to put those you know tools in the right people's hands, and not just because they've had three hits in a row. Like Tom Shadyak had a lot of Hollywood pull at some point because <laughs> he he had had a lot of hits, and then he has had a lot of shitty movies in a row. And it's like, has he suddenly gotten shitty? Like, no, he was always shitty. But he somehow got to make Dragonfly, you know, because he had had some hits in a row. Because he did Patch Adams, which was terrible, made a lot of money. Ugh. And uh, he did, did he do Liar Liar? He yeah. did Liar Liar. He did some stuff that I think maybe other people had a hand in what made it successful. Right. Yeah. And then somehow he rode that to his own production company and, and his own demise maybe <laughs> i don't know when i see liar liar i think this is an auteur's film like this is absolutely <laughs> there's no question well that, listen uh, the opening tracking shot is amazing <laughs> i mean how did they pull it off <laughs> like it goes through a window that's not possible <laughs> oh my god that's you know it's tom tom shadyak and horson wells those are the only people <laughs> yeah. i've seen do that kind of thing crazy um, yeah crazy stuff so but, uh, oh go ahead i i was just gonna move on oh that's fine. what have you seen recently man I think the last thing I saw was Milk. Um, what did you think? I liked it. I liked it. Um, I I saw it uh, on a screener because I have a baby and I'm not allowed to leave my house, <laughs> mostly. Um, what did your baby think of Milk? Uh, she actually, she loves Milk in general. It's, a, <laughs> it's right up her alley. I can't uh, believe I walked into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really, it was like it was made for her, but, um, but she fell asleep. Uh, no, I, I actually... Um, in a year of movies that I was sort of mostly, um, I, I wasn't blown away by a lot of these sort of the Oscar contender type movies. I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was really, uh, really strong. Like I, I enjoyed, um, you know, I really liked, uh, like James Franco. Like I, I found mm. him yeah. to be was really, really amazing. And, we talk, and I don't know if we talked about Oscar nominations last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to me, I mean, uh, Josh Brolin's. Finding that movie, but if yeah. you're going to give a supporting actor nomination to that movie, James Franco, I think. Should yeah, be I think Brolin got it for his almost like his body of work the, in this year. You know, yeah, yeah. he's d- well the last two years yeah. he's been sort of just knocking it out of the park. And, and yeah. I mean, he had he was really really good in the four scenes that he was in. But yeah, yeah. Franco was in it and was a he added the human dimension to yeah. to Milk that sort of Harvey Milk that needed to be there. You know, yeah, he kind of grounded it in this world of people who are basically devoting their lives to a cause and he was like what about you know relationships what about right. what about normal people having normal lives and i kind of like I, I feel like that's where the emotional connection was for me yeah without having seen the movie i i i wasn't at all surprised that it was josh brolin and not james franco because josh brolin for lack of a better term it sounds like he's kind of almost a villain role but it's just like there's m- there's more acting in his kind of role where it's like he gets oh, a lot of showy scenes right yeah. right and it's just it's that type of character 
it's like, oh, oh, he's conflicted. Oh, he might be gay. He might be. Oh yeah. man, there's so much here. Let's nominate him. Yeah. <laughs> and just uh, yeah, and 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 he's at a point in his career where, like you were saying, he's positioned to be in the running always. Right. Like since you know, since No Country for Old Men, and um, yeah, he was great in American Gangster last I, year. I loved him in American Gangster. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is yeah he's he's consistently knocked it out of the park every single role. So this is kind of like you know, and he didn't get nominated for No Country, right? No. Uh, so I think so this, this is, is like al- a makeup. This is almost like a makeup. Yeah, yeah like yeah. a makeup column in, in the NBA. So Frankel will get it next year for some other thing. Yeah, right? <laughs> but uh, you- I, I thought Milk Milk was one of my favorite movies of the year. Maybe like top three. Like I think I liked it a lot more than other people did, and uh, and I was trying to analyze I why. Feel the same way. And I, and I th- one I really like uh, that it's not just a biography of of this man, but also a biography of a social movement. Yeah. yeah, and it focuses on how a social movement happens. I think it's more that than the right. biography of him because you you jump into his life when he's forty, right? And then you and then it's and then it's, it's about his life as it's filtered through the cause. Yeah, you know? yeah, and uh, especially in the year of Obama. Uh, it it felt really appropriate, and yeah. in the year of no on aid, and you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it it felt like it was it was speaking, it was it was a piece of history that was speaking directly to the lives we're living now. Yeah. And the performances are great, and I have a joke with uh, my girlfriend and, and some of our female friends that I never cry during anything. You know, like the way we watch movies and shit together, and they're just all you know, tearing up. Like we, we watched The Wrestler together, and everyone was crying. Except for me, and I cried twice during Milk, and I think it's like I'm a sucker I, for. I think I cried cried twice in the first reel of Milk. <laughs> I was like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for like when they're like I cry when they're putting it together, or when they like won the election. I yeah. cried when he died, you yeah. know. The, the last thing where you know with the the candlelight, vigil, right? Yeah, oh, I thought it, I thought it was so good. If you don't yeah. cry at that, then you're a robot. Well, it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know you were saying that that this has been. Uh, Sort of an underwhelming year, and uh, I generally agree. But Milk is one of the two movies that actually did, I think, blow me away. Yeah, like in any year, a good year or bad year, I think that would. Stand What's out. the other one besides Milk? I'm uh, Rachel getting married. Oh man! Oh, I guess we can talk about that. I did not like that movie. I, yeah, I know yeah, some people go. hate it. So let's, <laughs> did, did you see like it? it? I haven't seen it. You know, my wife, uh, I think, watched it, and um, and I had heard enough things where, like people saying, "Oh yeah, man," I was like, maybe I don't need to waste my time with this but now i'm kind of curious because i do people i respect some of them liked it so yeah here okay here's here's my well, argument before we do it. that i want to say matt the, what i know about your taste in movies from I listening to like you it. talk about movies <laughs> i don't think you'll like this okay because <laughs> i also want to talk about revolutionary road if oh because i, I like I it haven't seen it because oh, some, okay. so many people have hated it okay but rachel getting married the problem i have with rachel getting married is that uh i i resist any sort of uh, what I feel is dishonesty in a movie, right? Like if we're, you know, if we're doing a, a, a you know, like Big Mama's House or something, right? And it's <laughs> like it's a it's a guy in a fat suit movie. Okay, like it, you you have coincidence to get you to the scene where you need to, you know, fall into the cake. Fine, like you <laughs> know, we're not expecting realism. But if it's shooting for something that's true, if it's shooting for something like that's very gritty and real, which that movie definitely was, to ha- it felt patently false to me. The wedding felt false. All the music in the wedding, like it felt like Jonathan Demi's uh, KCRW collection uh, <laughs> of music, and uh, the the relationship felt false because I'm a big fan of TV on the radio, but that man can't act, no. and uh, <laughs> and they require a, him to be a very crucial role. He's the partner. He's like the sort of like the wedding is the emotional center of the movie, and he is one half of that, and he is sort of a, a vacuum on screen because he's not an actor, and they. Because he's not an actor, they don't write scenes for him, really. They sort of write improv or, like, sort of 
you know, they don't, he doesn't have to do anything. And I feel there's a, so there's a big hole in the movie there. I agree that he was a bad actor, but I think they worked around it okay. So, yeah, okay. But, but I, the, I don't... <laughs> but he's saying they shouldn't have had to work right. around something it's so called, critical. It's called Rachel getting married. Like, the wedding is the central theme. Yeah. Of, and to have one, the, the, the male part of that not be at all engaging. And then it just, it, like, that those group of friends and that, the music and what's happening, because that person didn't feel real, I didn't know why this was his wedding, you know? What, who the, and, it, and the music, it really felt like Jonathan Demme's music and not that couple's music. And the music is so much of it. The music is all the time. Yeah, and that's kind of what I liked about it. But if, if Jonathan Demme's getting married, you know, like, that, <laughs> that, of course, that, if it's called Jonathan Demme's getting married and it's about his brother who's fucked up on drugs and how he's going to fuck up his wedding and that's the music that's playing for his wedding, makes complete sense. But for that woman and that guy character who we don't really know to have that wedding it felt like jonathan demi wanted to have a fun party and film it and it was yeah. jonathan demi's it, it, idea the thing for is, I, I, I disagree with almost nothing that you're saying <laughs> yet i completely love the movie so i, I guess, guess I, but i started off as saying that's what i hate about it is it's 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 sort of it's not real it's it's purporting to be this real sort of drama that's about you know characters and and uh and their situations and, and you're supposed to empathize because it's supposed to be you know they're they're cutting through the bullshit that most films give you, right? But at the same time, they're giving us different stuff. They're but giving I don't know that I agree that that's it. what it was supposed to be. I don't think it's not. It's not like a Dogma ninety five film. It's not. It's, I don't think it's supposed to be. Gritty you think and it's realistic. supposed to be like I a? Think it's supposed to be like a like his a, like multiculti uh, utopia. It's yeah. It's it's completely filtered through Jonathan Demme, and that's why I like it. It's a complete auteur film, and it's 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 his brain on on screen. Maybe you just don't like Jonathan Demi when it comes down to it. Well, the thing is, I, which just, is okay. I just watched Married to the Mob, and I was like, this is a delightful movie. <laughs> Why hasn't he done this? And I, well, I watched that, and then I also watched, I had never seen the original Charade with uh, Cary Grant and uh, Audrey Hepburn, which yeah. they remade about the truth about Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to go from Audrey Hepburn and... Uh, and Cary Grant to then remake the movie with Mark Wahlberg and Tandy Newton. <laughs> Jonathan Demme must have been fucking smoking crack. Watch to out. Think. Here we go. David. <laughs> well, oh, because I hate Charade. Uh, <laughs> oh! I, I completely God. hate that movie. And we... Truth About Charlie, well, I will not say it's a good movie. It's actually a very bad movie. I agree. But I'd rather watch that again than watch Charade How again. How can you hate Charade? <laughs> it's, it's tonally, it's a complete fucking mess. It has no idea what it is. Oh, it, it knows what it is. It's... Cary Grant being Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn being Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> it's a complete charisma star vehicle. No, well, the, the part where like Cary Grant gets in the shower with his suit on, don't you just like cringe with embarrassment for him? Like, what is he trying to do? <laughs> like, that's not funny. They were trying to play with the sexual mores of the time. <laughs> <laughs> They're hinting around about, is he going to fuck her? No, he can't really fuck her. It's the, uh, you know. But he's acting, he like slips into his like bringing a baby, like, uh, performance in that scene, and that's what I'm talking about. The movie, it's it's like it's sort of like sometimes it's like a a, a wry like you know dialogue based comedy, and then sometimes it just goes completely screwball, and then sometimes it's violent, and then sometimes it's a thriller. It, I I can't stand it. Oh man, I watched that with my girlfriend, and she we watch a lot of old movies, and she falls asleep during all of them, <laughs> and uh, she loved that movie. We were like, I can't believe how good this was. Why did they think they could do Mark Wahlberg and Tandy Newton, two of the most <laughs> charismaless actors that exist in movies, and they give them this story that's dependent on charisma? 
I guess you have to be if you're a Cary Grant fan, which Cary Grant's probably my favorite old actor. I don't know. I, he amuses me in pretty much everything that he does. And the man like that Harry handsome Grant. to be that funny. I like mm. yeah. I, I like Philadelphia Story. That's one of my all time favorite movies. All right. So what else? What else made people's <laughs> top five? Let's get off this before I get really angry. Well, we can't uh, go into too much detail about it because we've got an episode. Uh, oh. Also, I have. There's like before I make any kind of top ten. <laughs> I need to see like eight movies. Yeah, you haven't seen Milk, man. It's been I haven't for a seen while. Milk. Yeah. I haven't seen Revolutionary Road. Haven't seen Rachel oh, Getting Married. Let's get to Revolutionary I Road. Seen Happily, uh, Happy yeah. Go Lucky. As of right now, Hellboy Two is num- like number ten. Oh, like <laughs> that's kind of that needs to be that needs to be knocked out. Now yeah. I got some 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 screeners, and I'm I'm excited to watch them so I can. I like Hellboy Two, but it's got it's got to go. Let's, so let's. <laughs> I haven't. I ha- I wanted to see Revolutionary Road. Right. But then everyone shat on it so hard that I yeah. that I was like, all right, maybe I can skip this one. So I want to hear your well, opinion. Well, let's get David. Before, before we get into it, I want to say to the listener and to our guest that I slept about two and a half hours after <laughs> consuming a lot of vodka last night. Don't make excuses. So I might not be able to hold it's my own. It's not your fault if you can't defend <laughs> this shit movie. Also, here's the thing. David hates the institution of marriage. Hates it. And so, like, he really honestly, he likes any movie that really shows how it, awful it is. And you're, how, you're, you're joking there, but honestly... Revolutionary Road is kind of porn for people like me who <laughs> don't ever want to get married. All right, but how old are you? Uh, 26. I had to think about it. Okay. <laughs> I'm just letting the listener know that a 26-year-old is against marriage, and we'll, we'll check back in with you in about I'm 26, six, and I like six marriage. Six or eight years. Well, yeah, you're married. You're, you're more mature than him. <laughs> well, that goes absolutely without saying. All right, so, so <laughs> Two you, hours you've, uh, you've rolled into it by giving the excuse of you, you're not really going to defend it that well. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, so now let's defend it. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess what I like about it, um, I mean, it's clear from the beginning that this re- the relationship between Kate and Leo there is going to completely fall apart and be awful. And that makes well, it's, so the movie's in no way fun to watch. Uh, I'll, I'll admit that it's the the interesting thing to me is like how is it going to fall apart? Like, and how how far? Because they they spend the whole like first half of the movie getting because they start off screaming at each other and then they spend the whole first half of the movie trying to like they're making progress they're happy and it's like oh how how high is this roller coaster going to go before it hits the drop off that's the fun part for me is <laughs> like seeing how it's going to fall apart but i also think it's uh, i i guess it, it it spoke to me in a little bit as uh because there's a million movies about how awful the suburbs are you know um but so many and, of and them how many of those are good <laughs> Three that, or four, yeah. yeah okay. It was like, yeah, <laughs> Blue Velvet and the Burbs. We did an episode. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, good call. Um, but uh, and uh, a, a lot of most of those movies sort of that they they look at the suburbs from like uh, an elevated position. Like this is something that we that, that I the movie am above and I'm showing and looking down on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Revolutionary Road does is it put, makes the characters like that. It makes the characters yeah. snobs, like sort right. of sort of hipster snobs. I mean, yeah. it's the fifties; they're not hipsters as we know them today, but yeah. they are sort of avatars they're the, for they're the, hipsters the ancestors we know. Of, of our modern day hipsters. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, and so that's I think what made it more modern and more relatable because mm-hmm. I am a, a, at the moment an urban hipster snob who grew up <laughs> in the suburbs and felt like I was better than it. Okay, so yo, so you uh, you related to them. You actually were with them on that. Oh no, I related you to them as, with, in, like, as a hateful person with them. It, it was <laughs> like, like a, it was people? like a there before the grace of God type of thing. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm not with them. I'm not on their side. I'm, okay. they're, they're awful people. But 
I yeah, can see myself becoming that awful. That's that's one of the key problems with the movie to me is that uh, there's no chance of connecting with these characters. They're um, like you said, they the movie begins with them yelling at each other. Basically, you uh-huh. see them meet, and then the next scene is they're yelling at each other, and then they're just yelling at each other throughout. And and they see they're very shallow. Uh-huh. Um, they're uh, selfish. They're they're self centered. They're terrible parents. <laughs> they yeah, have, they've got they, like they three kids or something. Who two are kids? Two that kids you who never are in the movie in two scenes. Maybe at any time of day, they're yelling at each other, and the kids are not anywhere in sight, and you yeah. have no idea where they might be. Um, and uh, you know, like you said, we we had this debate uh, on the internet. I think, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and like you were saying, they're narcissists, and yeah. uh, and and to you. What was your argument that that was? Um, well, you were talking about that how, was true. There was some truth to that. Yeah, you were talking about how um, people don't say out loud exactly what right. they're thinking. That's one of my yeah. It's my uh, big problems with it. it. It sounds like a bad stage play because yeah. the dialogue is so on the nose and they're saying exactly how they feel. But uh, I'm saying from personal experience, yeah. I don't know uh, how much I'm opening up here about uh, what kind of person let's, I am. Let's get into <laughs> it. Let's get dirty. But it's <laughs> episode 100. They know what kind of person. <laughs> yeah. But um. That's something that narcissistic people do in an argument because they want to mm. make it about them. You yeah. know, they want to stand up and declare like this is what I'm thinking and it's very important. I, I I will grant you that, but I think the problem is movies are not. Uh, that's not a good medium for uh, the spoken word carrying everything. Like it's one thing if people talk like that, but then there's subtext and there's and maybe you would say that there is, but but that the action of the story is playing out for us visually but to me they were relying on the dialogue to carry everything it's it's mm. it's everything that happens is being told to you which is why it feels like a play to me and, a, and not a good one because that's clunky to, to have people saying like you never loved me this is <laughs> terrible these suburbs let's get out of here <laughs> let's was, go to paris was Catherine hepburn <laughs> in this like old I'm, Catherine hepburn i'm not very good at, uh, at doing it but oh and that's the other thing you know i think it was doomed to fail even if it was a good movie people <laughs> sadly or maybe not. I don't know. People loved Titanic. Uh-huh. Um, maybe I shouldn't begrudge them that. I didn't enjoy it particularly, but uh, you know, they don't want to see. They don't. It, it's almost like basically Sam Mendes is saying, "Fuck you, world <laughs> that made this movie popular. You uh, are wrong. Love stories are bullshit, and you should now be made to suffer for thinking for for feeling something for those characters in Titanic because the the reality is." people yelling at each other and hating each other and killing, you know, destroying their lives. Yeah. Well, I, I recently, well, I, after Jarhead came out, which I had read the book, and I was, before the movie came out, and I was super into, like, this could be a really great book, or a movie. I was like, this this story is really compelling. And then Sam Mendes, Jake Gyllenhaal, like, oh, man, this is really, and then to watch it and have it be so blah, and they'd be like, "Wait, wasn't Road to Perdition just kind of blah?" <laughs> and then, and, and then we have to go back to American Beauty. Right. Was that and overrated? Then, yes. And yes. yes. And American Beauty has not held up. Yeah. And there's something about his movies that looked technically, they look fantastic, yeah. and they're edited well. And there's and they and like if you, it's almost like textbook. It's almost like, oh, this is how movies are made, but they're cold, and you can't 
you can't hook into them at any level. Like how yeah. Road to Perdition is as uninteresting as it is is amazing. The yeah. story is incredible. <laughs> they have, I like Road to Perdition. They have I brilliant. Like it as well. But I mean, how many times have you have you gone back and watched like Goodfellas or something? You know? No, yeah, it was, I, I would probably watch it over Goodfellas, but that's <laughs> not because I think wow. it's better. Oh. But just as usually, like, I would throw it in more casually. Like Revolutionary Road, it's not a fun movie to watch, and that's no. I, I, but I'm, I'm saying that I, I think there's a, a hallmark, and that's why when people started bagging on Revolutionary Road, it was like. It matched with my theory about Sam Mendes, which is he makes movies that look like they should be great. Yeah, you know, well, that and he w- he tends he works with the two cinematographers who are the kings of that of making yeah. prestige. He worked right. with Conrad Hall until he died, right? And now he's with Roger Deakins, and, that's, and he gets great actors. And he gets great, yeah. And yeah. But there's something he's not doing. There's there's some there's a disconnect for me at least between what's on screen and the characters on screen that I can't I can't connect to those people. And it's something he's doing because it's yeah. not the visual and it's not the right. acting. It, it, there's no excuse for him because everyone else is great right. at their jobs. If yeah. he like, I think I think Leonardo DiCaprio is a good actor. I thought he was terrible in that movie. And, I and same with Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet's amazing, but you know, again, the 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 direction they were directed in a way that I felt was like like kind of what you were saying about Rachel getting married was really phony and and clunky and uh, and and that's partly the script too. But it's. It was really, it just, to me, it fell so flat. I agree that it's a little phony, um, and it's it, it's sort of like a ratcheted up melodrama type of thing mm-hmm. that's phony, but I think it's consistent enough that, like like you're talking about with Big Mama's House, like I buy into, okay, this is, these are the rules of this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was okay that it's a little phony because it's consistent. So basically that first scene where they're yelling at each other, I think that's where you go, I'm with it or I'm against it. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's very clear like if you are gonna if you want to see these people yell at each other then hold on for the ride of your life because <laughs> yeah. that's what you're gonna get and if you're like wow this is how it starts with them yelling <laughs> like at each other like this then you're probably gonna hate the next 110 minutes now having not seen the movie let's let's imagine that the script is the same yeah. same actors yeah. let's imagine that the style in which it was made is similar to that of far from heaven mm-hmm. um with Julianne Moore, which I liked, would that have made it better? Because it plays into the melodrama inherent yeah. in this kind of story and this kind of script, and because it takes place in that period, like would it have worked better? Well, I think then? it was kind of made in a little bit in that style, not okay. not as not as blatantly retro or whatever you want to call that, right. like yeah. making and it as if it had been made at that you know in the fifties. But and um, not as lush and like the the color palette was a little more drained in Revolutionary Road, right? But there, but there's a point to uh, Far From Heaven being that way, which right. is that those they couldn't make a movie about a a, a closeted homosexual at right. that time. So it's like, what if we did? That's interesting. This didn't have anything interesting <laughs> beneath <laughs> that the style to me. You know, well the other, the other thing that's almost more realistic about such a stylized movie. I mean, again, I haven't seen Revolutionary Road, but I, from what you guys are saying, and I have seen Far From Heaven, and what's interesting about that movie is even though it's stylized, there's something so much more truthful about the fact that they can't talk about what's going on while yeah. it's going on. Mm-hmm. They never really say the word gay, I don't think. Yeah. Even though it's like, you know what the situation is. And they never say, like, you can't date that guy because he's black. There's right. nothing. Nothing's on the nose. Everything is because right. everyone's trying to be so restrained, which is from the is what, that's what the times were all about. You yeah, know? the 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 style, the the form, and the content match each other, which is you know I think that was a great. Um, this is a great, you know, idea for a movie. And Revolutionary Road just to me feels like let's go back to the fifties and um, again comment on how stifling that that era was in America, which I think is is tired 
and uh, yeah. But I mean, wh- when w- when was the book written that it's based on? I have no idea. Uh, like the probably, like around that probably time. That time yeah, yeah. So I think that's. I really don't think it's about that. I think that it could be th- those characters, those sort of like hipster snobs. Yeah. That that could take place at any time. I think it's in the fifties because that's when the book was. I I honestly think that the that the writer and the director had that in their minds, like the, as at least as one of their you know ideas or one of their goals is is let's comment on this and and that's another thing that bothers me about sam mendez it's like stop telling us what america is yeah. and was about yeah. like you uh-huh. what the fuck <laughs> go yeah. back to make a movie about your own country <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah just in thinking about it like what what of his films is personal yeah like what what is a story that he's that is is uh you know organic to him as a person exactly. it's not american beauty you know no. it's not it's not road to perdition it's not jarhead like none of those experiences are something that he can draw on so maybe that's you know in revolutionary road too like that doesn't that's not what his life is is about it's not what he knows it feels very much like someone coming in like you, actually you were saying the opposite but to me it feels like uh, from a filmmaker level, that that it's it's uh, that he's above it all, and he's looking down on. No, I, I agree with you from a filmmaker le- le- filmmaker level. I'm just saying that the script, the, the characters. characters yeah. Do you know who? Or I read an interview with Altman. It was around the time American Beauty came out, and Altman just shat on American <laughs> Beauty so hard. <laughs> of course he did because because he's like it's just it's ridiculous, it's stupid, and he just goes and he was like Conrad Hall makes the movie. Like there's not a movie here without the cinematography, you know. So he was like, and this guy's getting all these awards. It's just, it's just a cinematographer. That's all. It's you know, and now, and I was like, man, he's so bitter, you know. But then <laughs> yeah. now I'm like, no, he was, he was really right. There is, Fucking, there wasn't, yeah. there's not a lot to that movie. Yeah, I, I actually have not gone back and watched it, but just even, even thinking back to that movie, you're like, oh yeah, that is really. Yeah, I went back mm-hmm. and watched it, and we've talked about it in the show. I don't hate it as much as <laughs> you do, Joel. But yeah, I do think like. When I watched it, I was like, "What was I thinking when I was seventeen? Like you were, you were seventeen. We yeah. were both seventeen. Yeah, like I was in my twenties. I mean, like it was exciting. It, it seemed like you know, it was a beautifully shot film, and and artistically, yeah. it seemed very vibrant. I was in yeah. I was in film school at the time at UCSB, and I worked in a movie theater, and we got to see you know free movies, mm-hmm. and then we would also like in our breaks go in and check out like a half hour movie, and that was the, the year I worked there was the year of American Beauty and Gladiator. Like those were the two big hits, so I saw probably pieces of those movies, you know, forty, fifty times, uh-huh. and I would go in and see, you know, and the way it's shot and the way it's framed, like there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's intention behind the way it's shot in a way that most movies aren't, and that's mm-hmm. impressive, and the performances are big, you know, and they're yeah. theatrical and there's something to grab onto, uh, but then you go back and the bigness of the performances are so over the top, yeah, like I feel bad for Annette Benning that she, <laughs> like. I will sell this house today or that whole sequence uh-huh. and then her breaking <laughs> yeah. down. Like it's so tonally not right for what it's supposed to be. If it's satire, like don't go that hard. Don't go that high, you know? Yeah. Anyways, it did. It was the exact right thing at the right time. Right. Though, because yeah. everybody, except for Robert Altman, <laughs> almost everybody <laughs> fell for it. And, uh, yeah, it seemed like something special was happening. No, I was super into it. I, I was, you know, I, I saw it. And so it was the first time, you know, first his first film, mm-hmm. uh, right? Did, or did yeah, he do yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, like that's always exciting too. It's like, oh, a new voice, a great right. artist. You know, yeah. like you get swept up in that. So, uh, so well, I haven't taken play. I haven't. I haven't taken part in any arguments. Yeah. So I think <laughs> I'll start one. Why don't okay. you? I was thinking last night. Okay. I'm starting to develop an opinion that. I've 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 looked at myself. 
I've really scanned my conscience. I'm trying to determine whether or not I'm just trying to be contrarian, and I'm not. And I haven't made a decision. <laughs> oh, boy. But <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> I'm starting to think be. that maybe, maybe Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight is overdoing it. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. I think I may like Nicholson more. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I listen, I was I was I was with you until the Nicholson yeah. Nicholson. Thing. Uh, yeah. that part is the shakiest that part of what well, I just how said. How can you say that Ledger's overdoing it and then and like then, Nicholson yeah, exactly. if, I mean Nicholson, they're scraping him off of uh, like <laughs> the ceiling. I believe but he fits that the film better maybe I, is what you're I, saying. Well here's the thing. As odd as it sounds I believe when Nicholson is laughing, I believe that the Joker just found what he said funny. <laughs> okay? Like, whereas when Heath Ledger laughs, it feels forced to me, not by the actor, but by the character as well, that he is forcing a laugh. I really believe when Jack Nicholson is laughing, like there's a part when at the end, and he is over the top, but he is, in my in my view believably over the top there's a part where uh, he's doing ridiculous things like the joker does um no matter in every in every way animated series caesar romero uh, joker's always done ridiculous things but like the part where he goes he goes here let me lend let me lend you a hand because they're both hanging on the building and the hand pulls off and then and he just laughs so hard and goes (laughs) lend you a hand like he thinks that's funny he absolutely thinks that is hysterical. But do, does anyone else? <laughs> well, <laughs> because I think actually thing, I think Tim Burton probably thought that was funny. Well, possibly. But like, what I find funny is not so much that the joke is is not funny, yeah. but that he finds it so funny. It it doesn't seem everything as crazy and over the top as it seems in Nicholson's performance seems like it flows naturally when Heath Ledger says like is talking to Harvey Dent and he's just like and everybody just goes crazy <laughs> that's ridiculous that's over the top and that and it bothers little things like that where it's just and that's the thing is I don't know how much to accept because it's the Joker. You accept everything with the Joker, and I don't know. Well, and well so that's you, one of the, the classic arguments about roles like that is, like, is it really hard to play a, an insane character because nothing is out of bounds? You can do anything, right. and it's go, oh, well, he's crazy, so that's why he did that. Well, I, you, I say think, you, want, you say you want an argument here. Okay. But I think trying to tell you that you're wrong here is like trying to convince someone that our like governmental leaders are not actually lizard people in disguise. <laughs> You're just so wrong that there's no way to pull you back. Over I was maybe with side. you up until like is Heath Ledger over the top? I would uh, disagree and say he's not, but I can I can have that discussion. The discussion of is he over the top and also sub argument Nicholson's better. Like I, I can't really have that argument. I didn't because... say Nicholson was better. I said I liked him more. Okay, well maybe I mean but like what's exciting for me about Ledger in Dark Knight is. It's it's a new interpretation of the Joker that I haven't seen before. It's sort of like Killing Joke, you know, mm. graphic novel, super dark. But then it's mixed in where he's a terrorist, you know, right? And so it's it's something it's, it's fitting for the times. And all he's a terrorist for is general anarchy. That just he just you know, and they set that up very well in very different ways. And that all he's trying to do is show you know unmask the ridiculousness of of humans and and uh, you know and that we exist on a certain level you know of thought that we we think is the way but really Mm -hmm. it's an agreement we've all made and he's undermining the agreement and i think he makes that case really well and i think he plays a 
unbalanced person that's consistently unbalanced. Okay. Like he has a he has a he has a viewpoint that's clear. Uh, I I understand what he's doing. You don't understand where he's coming from, but it doesn't really matter. Everything that you've said so far has to do with the script. Everything that you've said so far has to do with the interpretation by the director and the writer, who actually it's the same person this time, um, their interpretation of the character. And I'm not saying I don't enjoy watching Heath Ledger. It's fun to watch. but And it's that's the thing is I haven't made my decision. I'm fine I, I, like because it's just I just feel like everything is so affected, but is that... The, but is the character affecting it? Quite possibly. You I could make you, that argument. You forced this argument by bringing Jack Nicholson in. Yeah, you did. Okay, I'm you sorry. Did. You shot yourself in the well, foot. Well, let me, let me, Let's leave him out of well, it. No, 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 I, I, I actually like that part of it for one reason. Okay. Because maybe, and I'm not even sure that I believe this, but I could, I could see you making an argument, or someone making this argument, that Jack Nicholson's performance fits the tone of Tim Burton's Batman uh, really, really well. Like that's mm-hmm. what they were trying to do. Take it or leave it. Like maybe compared compared to Ledger, it looks. I think it looks bad. But mm-hmm. and the movie looks bad. Maybe compared to Nolan's vision. But yeah. you know, that's what that was. And at the time, you know, I was a kid and I thought it was great. I was excited about it, and it, it all fit. And maybe what you're saying or trying to say or, or considering saying, there you go, <laughs> is that is that Heath Ledger's performance doesn't fit with the uh, realism of the Nolan uh, maybe. world. That's the thing is I'm not sure. It's, well, I, don't, it's I disagree really with that part of it, actually. Right. I actually think that it, I, that's my favorite thing in uh, Dark Knight is is, right. is that performance. It's the, honestly, and that, like, I just, you know, you watch the movie and the, and the performance, you know, regardless of what a person may think of it, is so vibrant and so committed that you can't help but really enjoy it and respect it and just as time has gone on and I've watched the movie a couple more times and I'm just like and I still like the performance but I'm just like is this and it's a new interpretation and it's just but I I find myself it's it's not I just I don't love it as much as everybody else but that's that's a far cry from disliking it okay two points okay uh, first, to get back to the actor thing, okay. uh, just I think on a pure performance, there's no point in Tim Burton's Batman where I forget that's Jack Nicholson. Mm. Uh, you can see the seams. You can see right. him. Yeah, and, and you can uh, make that case about every role Jack Nicholson's played <laughs> right. since, since probably in te- terms of endearment. Yeah. But about I mean, Schmidt, the pledge. <laughs> okay. Okay. But um, yeah, the pledge is perfect. Iron Weed. Um, but. Uh, Heath Ledger disappears. <laughs> Every so successful film. <laughs> <laughs> Hoffa. <laughs> oh. well, he really? disappears behind that nose. Yeah. Uh, but Heath Ledger disappears into the role. Mm-hmm. It, That's definitely true. Uh, my other point is that it seems to me that you just have a pre-existing interpretation of what the Joker is, mm-hmm. and Nicholson fits it better. I mean, honestly, like when I do think of the Joker, I do think of Mark Hamill's from. From the animated, animated series, series, which is and a great d- Joker. Yeah, and and that's and and I would say that's definitely. I mean, the animated series was inspired by Burton, so it stands to reason that that's what it would be. Even though he's like, you know, he's British in the animated series and all that, but like, um, I don't, I, I don't know. It's uh, I was in a, uh, I was in a Barnes and Noble the other day, leafing through a, a graphic novel called The Joker, and it was clearly inspired by The Dark Knight. Um, and they re- yeah. they reimagine a lot of the different characters, Penguin and Riddler and all that. Yeah, um, who wrote that? Do you remember? I, I don't recall. It's the but guy I, I like, but I can't remember. But visually, it's gorgeous, and clearly, like it's so obviously based on Dark Knight. Like his smile, it's the scars. Yeah. It's the you know. Um, but uh, 
And as you read through it, you're like, oh, not only is is the character visually uh, influenced by this, but also just the way in which he functions is influenced uh, by Heath Ledger and the Dark Knight and that sort of thing. Um, and it's just... And so I think it's it will change the way people see the Joker, and it's just... And that's the thing. I still love, like everything that Joel was saying, I still love everything about the interpretation of the Joker. It's just a guy who is just so committed to the idea of showing people that it can all come crumbling down. That's what I like about the killing joke is he's, he's trying to convince everybody. It's like under the right circumstances, everybody can go crazy, even Commissioner Gordon, the sanest man in the world. Yeah. Um, so well, I, I, mean, I that like makes, that aspect of it. I mean, d- I, I, don't you think the Joker works better as a villain when he there's more danger when he's in the room? I mean, oh, absolutely. I don't feel. I mean, uh, Jack Nicholson. I, 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 you you made me <laughs> get to the point where I keep having to Sorry. compare them. But I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't have even made that last point because <laughs> no, it has have, nothing to do I'm with keep bringing it up. Because I don't feel I, I'm watching it and I'm enjoying it. I, I like that movie and I and it's it's fun when right. he's acting crazy in in in. The, but I don't feel. I don't feel the danger. There's a remove from that movie. Whereas mm-hmm. when Heath Ledger's on the screen, you can feel how how un, un, unbalanced. Well, you he can. Is. Com- I mean, this is a script thing, but it's also in terms of their uh, in terms of their portrayals. The scariest thing uh, uh, Jack Nicholson does in the original Batman is probably disfigure Jerry Hall, and that whole aspect. <laughs> Someone friend a of rabid, the show, Pilar Alessandra, just walked a in. A rabid everybody. Jack Nicholson fan was trying to stop me from making this point. Stop everything. <laughs> uh, Who's that? Vicky Vale. <laughs> so I think hip, the, the go, disfigurement. Go the, when I was a kid, the thing that really was like, "Ooh, that's weird and dark," was when he disfigured uh, uh, Jerry Hall, the like the the old gangster mall, and, and like yeah. and made her wear a mask, and mm-hmm. that whole thing was like the creepy dark aspect. All right. Compare that to all the things that the Joker in this in Dark Knight right. does, and how yeah, there's a menace on screen when he does that. Make the pencil disappear, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, as his basically, it's his physical character introduction, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, and it's and it, and then it, he walks out of the door threatening to blow everyone up with a grenade, but as a kind of like a side, like eh, eh, okay, yeah. later, guys, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Everything there's there's like he casually threatens everyone with explosion, and you believe that he'll do it. Oh yeah, but, he, but the, like even that, but that threat level of that level of threat is still nothing to him. That there's the the there's the danger and and that you know it's it's like uh it's like you know like I don't know it's it, it, there's a sharpness there's like a cutting glassness to like everything that he does in that movie that it's he does he does put you on edge and I guess when I think of to bring up Nicholson's Joker when I do think of of him I do tend to think of the end when he does lure everybody down to the street. From with money and then gasses them all for no reason, like but he the, does do crazy things. The but problem it, is you can't compare those movies because right. they're so different. Like, you know, The Dark Knight is a movie for adults. It's mm-hmm. it's a serious movie about serious issues. Right. And ba- Burton's Batman is an entertainment. It's right. a, it's a c- comparatively silly. It's it's almost an excuse for art design. Yeah, which yeah. a lot of Tim Burton movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Did, but, I, did I just blow Tim Burton <laughs> apart in one fell swoop? <laughs> I mean, at the time, it was a great marriage of like the Batman franchise and mm-hmm. this, you know, this guy has a very distinctive look to his films. But 
when you compare it to what Nolan's done. And I, you know, honestly, I, I'll start a different argument because I do have problems with The Dark Knight, but but th- that is not one of them. <laughs> like, right. Joker. Yeah. And, and Heath Ledger is. is I, not yeah. One of I, I think it doesn't. My problem with The Dark Knight is having watched it again. I don't know if it all coalesces smoothly. Mm-hmm. I think it, it like it's kind of lumpy and not everything works. They Maggie Gyllenhaal sucks. Terrible. Terrible we, writing. Like they don't understand women apparently. Uh, and I was so excited that we got rid of Katie Holmes and Maggie Gyllenhaal's just as bad, which makes me think She's like I, maybe maybe it's not Katie Holmes's fault that she sucked in that movie. Maybe it's, yeah, it's you know. a bad character. There's yeah. nothing to it, and so then you don't care about the stakes for Bruce Wayne because that's what his motivation is is to protect her but yeah. she's goofy she's so. kind of she's kind of like a black hole in that movie it's disappointing yeah. but uh but the, Har- the harvey dent stuff is great like mm-hmm. so much of it works and when it works it really works yeah and it works in a way of like you know it's the uh, batman is is one of the very american myths you know mm-hmm. and to sort of explore that myth in a very profound way it, with this time and you know what's going on in the world in america today direct you know injected directly into it i think was very was that's what made it compelling to me i do love the series so far as far as i'm concerned they can make eight more movies like this like i'm fine with that as long as they leave and matt i'm i'm going to you yeah. as long as they leave out nikki cat <laughs> i think we had that discussion once. yeah 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 well there's a lot of different things happening in the movie i think i i think maybe it suffered a little from being overly ambitious on some yeah. in some mm-hmm. ways because it's trying to do everything. Yeah. It's try- It's like once. one and a half movies in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, let's pare it down a little. Like, th- no one can tell me that the, you know, like, stop the movie to explain this cell phone making everybody's, like, using cell phones to create sonar to find anyone or hear anything. Like, that's that's not good. I mean, it's kind of a cool <laughs> techie idea, but to stop the movie for five minutes and explain it at that point in the movie is crazy. The Like we said, Hall is terrible. Um, I, I think maybe... It's it's so ambitious that for me it pushed the idea of uh, like a gritty real uh, Gotham City to a level that I was like, why is he in a cape with a, a cowl? Like, why isn't he just a guy in like a SWAT outfit? Like, if it's <laughs> if it's so real, then I I buy the Joker because he's nuts, so he's he's right. allowed to dress up like a clown and and be a crazy villain. But why would this guy? I know they explained it in the last movie that he's he's trying to strike fear into villains, but isn't that kind of, uh, I mean, the, the whole thing is juvenile by design because yeah. it comes from a comic book which was created for children, and so when you take it to this ultra adult gritty, you know, crime drama level, then suddenly to me the costume is illogical almost. That that that's where I, that's what I started wrestling with. But but that's that's I mean we did that that did was justified in the Batman Begins. And that's what's so interesting to me about the way they built the Joker, which I don't think they've ever explored the Joker as a consequence of Batman before. Like, yeah. the Joker always existed around when Batman... Like, Batman didn't cause the Joker any sort of comic book canon, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that, like, once back, once Batman breaks societal rules of sanity, you know, yeah. Yeah. and he does that because... Uh, Gotham City has gotten so bad that that's his only that's his only answer. Mm-hmm. So then he breaks the rules, and once he breaks the rules, that's what Dark Knight explores: is well, if one guy breaks the rules, why can't everyone break the rules? You yeah. know, why can't we all just descend into whatever we want to do and whatever when we want to do? Uh, and that, I mean, so that was what's exciting to me about the sequel too: is the sequel is directly tied into to the first movie. Like the mm-hmm. ideas are, it's just a continuation, and that's why I'm worried about the third one because they already had it beat it out and the Joker was a major part of it. 
right. It's so I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, there's really only a couple other. I can only I can only see them making perhaps two more movies because, as far as like the arc of Batman, like the only other places for him to go is his relationship with Catwoman, right, and then Robin, because then he, and that would be something for like a couple movies from Matt, from now because and Nolan didn't Nolan say he's yeah not, he said he's never gonna do Robin not interested yeah. Which is a shame because the idea really? of well, <laughs> if done right, it can be really good. Because Batman, who's see once again we're running up against your preconceived notions of what I, what Batman I'm should be. I'm trying to interpret it in the way of of Christopher Nolan that it's not it can't it shouldn't be ruled out. Much in the same way that Nolan said, "I'm never going to do the Penguin." Well, don't limit yourself. You know, like you can do anything. I mean, if you can do the freaking Scarecrow, you can do Penguin, and you can make Robin work. The idea of Batman getting to an emotional point where he is actually willing, he sees a kid much like himself who wants revenge and and actually can bring him into his lifestyle, which might actually be detrimental to the kid when you think about it. Like that's that would be my problem with it. How are we supposed to be behind a guy who's supposed to be a, a hero if right. he's gonna put a, like a fifteen year old boy in danger? And the exploration of that is, would I think make for a good movie, okay. but. Just not. That's the thing is, I'm for Robin mostly as a device uh, rather than a character. Well, I guess that's my maybe. Maybe the movie addresses it in a way that like I didn't even grasp. But to me, I was looking for more of like, well, what like let's really explore a guy who is kind of like uh, he's almost like a Peter Pan at at some point. Like he's not. He's 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 decided to 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 fight crime. But he's doing it in the way that a fourteen-year-old boy would decide would do that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. not an adult. It's not an adult uh, approach that he's taking. And um, the movie is so adult in every other way that it's almost like so. But the center of it is this hero who is, to me, and, and part of this is Christian Bale, who I actually I liked in in Batman Begins, but I feel like he's kind of a void of 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 charisma to me in, in dark Knight, and, and, and maybe part of it is he's getting kind of blown off the screen by Heath Ledger or the, mm. the character of the Joker is so much more interesting, but I didn't care about Bruce Wayne in, in dark Knight. I, I just felt like he's just, he's a hero when the movie needs him to be. And he's, and the, the set pieces, the action is, is amazing. And the sequence when he, you know, goes to Hong Kong is unbelievable, but then you can't have that and then say, well, like, well, but what's, uh, you know, let's let's explore like the adult part of that. It's like, y- y- I don't know. I feel like they're kind of trying to have it both ways, and, and I'm not yeah. sure. I, yeah. I think a good storyline would be to uh, down the line in these sequels would be to explore why, you know, why why Bruce Wayne is insane. <laughs> you know, <'cause laughs> that's something that yeah. the comic, the well, com- like Arkham Asylum, that comic. Yeah. Have you read that? Mm-hmm. That's the one where. The Joker takes over Arkham Asylum, and Batman has to go there, and, and the Joker sort of confronts Batman about you're just as crazy as all of us, and like that sort of thing should happen. Well, too. I think that's I think that's where we were headed. I mean, we were kind of at that point at the end of Dark Knight. That's that was Joker's argument to him was like, do you see that we're the same person? You know, like you created me, yeah. and we don't, we are existing in a symbiotic relationship, and that you showed me the way. Like I I did this from you, and the idea that he's that he's sort of his own insanity has bled out into the city, mm-hmm. but he can't stop it. Now, the only way he can stop it is to keep going, you know? Uh, I think that was the direction they're going, and I don't know what they're going to do now. But um, I, I was going to... I wanted to change the subject to... Oh, the Christian Bale uh, tirade, because we oh, were talking yeah. about oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys were wondering what I was going to do with that, and I brought it home. <laughs> Christian Bale tirade, let's go. 
it's my new favorite thing of all time ever. Uh, I have listened to it dozens and dozens of times. <laughs> I find it so hilarious and fascinating. And the fact, the funniest thing about it to me is that as angry as he gets, he's still using the American accent. Yeah. That's, that's so, I mean, is, he slips is, a couple times. That is, but it, it, that is an interesting thing because, I mean, I think he lived in America for a long time too yeah. before. Like, he's he lived on both coasts. That's and why his accent's so weird. It's, it's, it's not yeah. He slips back in, in talking, like, back and forth several times where it's English and it goes back to America and then it goes to English, like, uh-huh. which is interesting to me that, that he switches like that in his normal everyday conversation. But let's or is he just so in character? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's he's just that. John Connor. Yeah. Well, that's what he said. Like he he released a, a statement saying that he was just it was an intense scene and he was just you know he'd put a lot of effort and emotion into the character and he just said that he was kind of almost half and half and I was like, man, this you be, could, that, that, now that puts a lot of pressure on the movie to be amazing. Uh, right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right, right. If it, if it sucks, people are gonna be like, really, you put all that into this? Uh, so, well, you know that Mick G is an actor's director. Yeah, right? No, oh, that, okay, okay, it's so, another funny thing about the tirade. Yeah. He can scream the name Mick G and still be angry and not like, break out laughing. Yeah. Mick G, you got fucking something to say to this prick? Uh, and, then, and then Mick G, spineless, backbone. This is yeah. like. I didn't see it happen. Yeah. Someone should be fucking keeping an eye on him. Yeah, partially. Uh, I know it like, by heart, by the way. Yeah, he's being political. I so mean, that's actually that's how we got to where he is. Yeah. So let's let's assume that all the listeners have already listened to it, and if you haven't, go listen to it right now. And I'd like to know where you where you fall in the camp. Are you Team Bale? Are you Team DP? Like, what do you think? Who do you think is over okay. the line? Well, Christian Bale obviously overreacted. Right. I mean, that 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 level isn't called for. But uh, based on the facts, he's right. The cinematographer should not be walking in his eyeline, tweaking the lights, like working during a take. Not only that, I've read that it's the most emotional take of the movie. Like That's it's me. basically yeah. the one time. Like I think he's with whoever the female lead is in Bryce. the movie. Bryce. Bryce he says, Howard, yeah. Bryce Howard, it's yeah. like some either like he's declaring his love or someone's dying. Like it's the you know. And in my, I'm on Team Bale because I feel like. He's in the fucking desert. He made a mistake to be in these movies. I think he, I think he realized that. Mick G's the fucking director. I think he thought this was going to take him next level movie star, and he gets to do whatever kind of independent movie he wanted to do. And then he's stuck in a, in a desert, and Mick G is trying to tell him what to do and look at a giant robot. And all he's trying to do is make this one scene good. Uh-huh. Like he's fucking had a shitty like shoot. He, de- he decided if I can, if get I this, can, I... if I can give my level what I feel comfortable with and put it all into this moment, then I'll feel satisfied. I'm going to elevate this movie, right. With this scene, right. Alone. With this take, <laughs> with this, and like go, right. And then, the the, and then the fucking DP just on his own blows the take because he wants to tweak a light. Yeah, like because that's more important than what you're doing. And yeah. you're, and you know what? The, but the thing is, there's an aspect of like, I'm fucking Christian Bale. I'm a movie star. Why do you think your shit is more important than my shit? You right. know, that's the part I can't get behind. But you kind of talked me into because I was going to go the other way and, and be on the side of the the you know, in this case, lowly crew member who. But he's not really a lowly crew. I mean, he's no, the I DP. Know, he's... I know, but that, but but compared to a movie star. Yeah. He's basically been brought down to the level of like a child, you know, yeah. like which is hard to hear. Like I think that's like I I kind of felt like man, we don't know the context. I mean, we know a little bit now, but like you know, if you just hear it cold, you're like man, that's crazy over the top. Yeah. And I just really want to I just want to talk more about all the funny shit he <laughs> says in it and the fact that it was he, it starts like mid like kick your fucking ass, man. Yeah. Like, how long is how he long? going? <laughs> it's three and a half minutes already. How long you is it before the, someone decided to turn that mic yeah, on? You kind of get lo- the impression that Mick G was just like... <laughs> well, because think about <laughs> no it. No one can see you. If guys. it had been Sorry. 30 seconds, 
the guy would have been like, all right, he's blown. But like, it had to go for a certain amount of time for him to be like, we got to record this, yeah. like, to make the decision, and then it was still going. And so but, then, yeah. So my, my favorite parts are, well, of course, there's <laughs> the, the, oh, good for you, which is hilarious. Oh, good for you. Now, have you but, heard the techno remix that I sent you? Yeah. Okay. Um, have you, there's a techno, and there's also the Meishi, which yeah, they were a whole song. Uh, are you yeah. professional? Yeah. He is the dark knight, <laughs> yeah. and he's professional. <laughs> um, but, okay. And then when he goes, he goes, <laughs> he's been screaming to the guy at this point for like three minutes, and he goes, you're a nice guy. You're, you're a, a nice guy. guy. But that's but, not fucking good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to fucking cut it when you're bullshitting and fucking around. <laughs> Again, I know it by heart. Yeah. And then the best part. So that that was when he maybe... A little bit of his lizard brain picked up that maybe I'm <laughs> yeah. an asshole right now. Right. Maybe just, I'm not coming off. I like well. that he he gets enough civility that he's like, "Well, look, I'm not judging you as a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Calm down. It's like, it's like a half backpedal, but then he's like, "But wait a minute, I don't need to. You should get out of the business. But you know what? As a person, you're all right. But the part that makes me laugh the hardest because it, it almost seems like it's written to be funny <laughs> is when the, he's like finally gonna calm down, and then McGee or somebody is like. Let's just walk for five seconds. And he goes, now, I don't need any walking. He needs to stop walking. I'm not the one walking. <laughs> he needs to stop walking. Yeah. I'm not the one walking. That's yeah, more, that's more he, British than he actually does. When, he, slip, right, when right. he does slip into it, it's fucking distracting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you have any fucking idea? Yeah, I, th- I think it's clear he has anger issues from yeah. the mom thing, yeah. too. I think he has anger issues. I think he, you know he's has, has a healthy ego. But in terms of the actual argument, who was right? He's right. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, like, you can't do that. And the thing was, if you go back to that DP's IMDb, like, he's never done anything like this. Like, I think the last movie he did before this was semi-pro. And though yeah. he did We Are Marshall, too. Yeah. But he did, With like, McG. yeah. But he's done movies where, like, honestly, like, if you relight Matthew McConaughey's take, is Matthew McConaughey really going to give a shit? You know, yeah. that man right. was so anachronistic in that movie, <laughs> We Are Marshall. <laughs> I didn't even see it. Uh, so, so... It, he probably learned bad habits. I'm guessing he came out of commercials or music videos, like where it doesn't really matter. And then he's probably never worked with an actor who really would get that upset. Well, but, and think about McGee. Like, I mean, that's a guy who makes movies where it doesn't matter too. So, right. like, like uh, Christian Bale is out of his element. He's in a world where people don't value acting. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. just like, let's fucking get it done. Right. Like, We're losing light. And so he's probably just pissed off about every yeah. every aspect of that. And and he's like on an island over here. Like, yeah. <laughs> does anyone care? <laughs> well, that's the other fascinating thing about it is the behind the scenes aspect. Who released it? Who released yeah. that length of audio tape? And that's clean audio. Yeah, that is directly from the studio. I think because he had such a miserable time making, and he's trying to get out of the tier three movie commitment. And I think he's going to be in the first one a lot, and then the next two less. But he was supposed to come back and shoot again for the next two movies in the trilogy they're going to make. And I think he tried to get out of making the next two, and I think this is their way of playing hardball, hmm. of being like, we're going to release this, and this, you know, you'll we'll sue you, and this will be the, you know, we'll first publicly embarrass you, and then this will be the first evidence we we, we use wow. against you to sue you because you signed a contract. We're making those two more movies, goddamn it, you know. Yeah. So it's not only it's 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 fascinating as a pop cultural event that it took off on the internet and that it's yeah. funny, but it's also fascinating on terms of like it's like. It's a corporation sort of playing hardball with yeah. an actor, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
That is some Michael Clayton shit right there. <laughs> Blew my mind. <laughs> but um, it, let's not forget, it is really funny. It is also very funny. No, it's 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 it's, it's, it's come. It's up there. It's like neck and neck with Buddy Rich for me now, as far as those kind of things. It's it's, it's past Casey Kasem. It's past Bill O'Reilly. The Bill O'Reilly one's still really. Funny. What about Orson Welles, David? That's yeah. Pretty, that's uh, Orson Welles is the best one. Uh, Oh, Paul Maison. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Winnebago guy? Oh, the Winnebago guy. That's the all-time greatest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It goes on and on. There's like different shots. It's like yeah, you're right. That's the best one because that's that's uh, Christian Bale, but in 95 different takes. So yeah, that means right. like, wow, that guy was day. doing this for all day. <laughs> also, who the fuck is he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not Christian Bale. He fucking owns right. a fucking RV company. It's right. crazy. Well, in that you know, in that part of the country, that he might as well be. He Batman. basically RVs in his mind, deal. he is exactly. Yeah, he is that guy. Um, but as far as what uh, what side I fall on, I think I fall on Team Civility. I think the, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm absolutely like I think Christian Bale was right, but because just because a person is right does not mean they are justified in doing. Yeah. How about this? I'll even I'll even allow him to have a little tirade. Let's not. Let's stop it at thirty seconds. Yeah. Like well, maybe a four minutes plus, however long it was going before <laughs> that. You know, may, maybe we, that's a little excessive. This is kind of like a philosophical thing too. That I feel like you don't have to. Um, you don't have to go nuts to make good art or, or whatever good yeah. movies. Right. Like that's that's. I think there are people who come from the school of you have to suffer. You have to be. So, you know, like, it's got to be apocalypse now every time you go, uh, you know, go to work. And then there are people who are like, you know what? We are lucky to work in this business. We're lucky to be paid the way we're paid. Let's have fun. And that doesn't have to – we can have fun and enjoy each other and and have a healthy working relationship and still make good movies at the end of the day. Like, I I mean, I don't have enough experience to know – you know, definitively, which, you know, if that's true or not, but I, I, I feel that you can probably make good movies without being an asshole or, mm-hmm. or give a good performance without being an asshole. Uh, yeah, this is a sort of philosophical thing because I think there's something, and I'll tie it into Mickey Rourke, I think there's something that about a, fa- a great actor where to be a great actor where you can, you know, inhabit another person on screen and a movie not just in theater where you can just speak loud and move around you know but like uh, I just denigrated the all theater acting <laughs> one fell swoop. Wow. but you know what I'm saying when you're when it's movie acting and your face is 80 feet high you, there's so much more internal work that goes on and you can't cheat like yeah. it, mm-hmm. great movie acting is is so much more complex I think than subtle. theater acting yeah, yeah and subtle yeah. and to be able to do that I think requires uh, a level of like intimacy with the camera and really giving over of yourself to this other character. And I think there's an element of that that's unstable. It's sort of schizophrenic, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think great, great actors on average, or at least 50-50, tend to be kind of weird. In, like Brando <laughs> right. was a weird man. Like yeah. Depp, even cool, is weird. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like the best I can think of, like the best case scenario is Meryl Streep. Like I don't know how she does it. She manages to be a great actress and also relatively normal. Seems like it. Yeah. yeah, but like Sean Penn is kind of a weird dude. Yeah, yeah. But is that part? Like, uh, that's the question. Is is it that? Is that now the you aspire to? Like, Penn grew up idolizing Brando, probably right. or whoever. So it's like then you make yourself into a fucking nut job just to be. I like, we were talking level. about Sean Penn, and I pictured Penn Jillette for that's a second. That's <laughs> my yeah, yeah. Well, he's also brilliant. He loves Brando. <laughs> yeah, Penn absolutely. Gillette. Well, he wants to be. 
he, he yearns to be Brando's size, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny, though, about that um, whole argument is that George Clooney, I was looking at Entertainment Weekly, and he was, you know, he's kind of become, for some reason, like the defender of crew. You know, like he had that, that run-in with David O. Russell. Yeah. And, um, and he was saying, like, well, maybe this will make people yeah, uh, be that. more, you know, be nicer. And it's like, then you look at Clooney as an actor, and you're like, no, maybe it is... Maybe you do need to be a little bit like not that he's bad, but like right. he's not great. He's not a, right. a great actor, yeah, yeah. but probably a great guy, a really nice guy. But he's a movie star. He doesn't have to go to a place that is crazy and and deep and profound. And maybe, and I don't, you know. So maybe you're right. Maybe you do need to be uh, a bit of a prick or really just so so focused and and. Uh, self-centered maybe on some level but. and then yeah and then and then you know you're letting loose all of your emotions like you don't have a rein on anything you're not controlled so everything just kind of goes like the, the example that i give like i haven't taken a lot of acting classes i took one and uh and they made me stare into someone else's eyes for a minute have you ever tried Ugh. that to do that try to do it to like the person you love and it's weird you know like you know the person that you that you dated for years and that you've had sex with thousands of times like they're looking into their eyes after all of that for a minute and you'll be creeped out by both of you like oh that was <laughs> that was uncomfortable how we just did that now i did it to a stranger I think we have to break up right yeah <laughs> now i did it to a stranger and then i was like and then she was like how'd that feel i'm like it felt really weird and uncomfortable and she's like, that's what acting is. It's being that, it's it's connecting and being that vulnerable that you were in that moment, but all the time. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I don't want to ever do this. <laughs> no, thank you. Who would want to do that? That's completely, um, that's, that's you stop being an individual person at that point, yeah. you know? And you become, like, whatever is needed for the role, I guess, is the point. And, like, I don't want to do that, you yeah. know? I don't. Yeah, when you get to that level, it is like you're sacrificing your yourself for the sake of something else. And, like... I guess people feel the, that it's worth the trade-off, but that is a big that's a big thing to do to just say, all right. That's and it, it makes me wonder, and I'll, David revealed some stuff about himself earlier, so I'll uh, <laughs> so I uh, I have old fr- some old friends in Denver, and one of them's a paramedic, one of them's a cop, and so I talk to them, and they're like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm really feeling like I uh, I need to go into film criticism. You know, <laughs> now I think it's important and I think it's necessary. But when you're talking to somebody who literally is volunteering to be shot at, mm-hmm. like suddenly it's just like you become almost or, you know, maybe it's just me. I become almost instinctively, reflexively defensive. Yeah. Like I want to say it's like, no, it's a, it, it's a real thing. He hasn't said anything, incidentally. Right. It was just me. Uh, it's it's like no, it's really it, it's an important thing. I know it's I know it's not a paramedic. It's still very important what I'm choosing to do with my whole life, um, <laughs> and it makes you wonder. Like, and I remember a long time ago when David and I were trying to court some controversy by saying controversial statements because everyone said we were being too positive. Um, but uh, I remember I had once said about Sean Penn, I had said, "Yes, Sean Penn, we get it. Acting is very very hard. You can turn down the intensity now." <laughs> and so it makes you wonder if like, just you know. And actors, perhaps especially, because everyone's like, ah, oh, you get paid millions of dollars. Acting is so easy. So there actually is a certain degree of backlash against yeah. that. And like, well, when maybe, you take it seriously, when yeah. You, when if you're you take not it seriously, of, who gives a shit? I'm lucky. Right. Yeah. And so like, so all of a sudden, like, you're really trying to do something and work and do something that you think is worthwhile, and mm-hmm. you're actually legitimately working hard at it. And then some guys walking around yeah. and messing it up. 
admittedly, like, who knows all the things that might be in your head when you've let fly on them for four plus minutes. It so. just seems like the the way films are produced, everything is geared towards everything being so easy <laughs> in some mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. It's 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 making space for the actors to do what they do. And so, like, really the one, and maybe it wasn't the one time, we don't know, but, like, it seems like the one time something slightly irritated you that was, like, not, it wasn't perfect for you. Like, it's, it's uh, I kind of feel like uh, you, you, you can do it again. You know, we can, nothing is, you yeah. know, beyond repair. Like, we right. can, that's how we do this. You don't only get one shot at it. You yeah. can, and maybe it blew his whole, whatever was going on his head. To me, it was like, if, if it had been, a like, a, a serious you know, drama, then like I would have maybe felt a little more sympathy for him. But like yeah. the fact that it's, and like you said, maybe for him, this is important to like, you know, to put a, you know, stake his claim on like something positive coming out of this horrible experience. But when you know that it's Terminator, you're like, is it that important? Okay. Two, th- my final thing, two things about that. One, he's in the Nevada desert or whatever. Like it's probably 110 degrees. Who knows what the fuck he's wearing? You okay. know, I think that, I mean, uh, I think, the the most irrationally upset I've seen people get is whether either they're hungry or they're hot, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe he was both or tired. I, tired, yeah. yeah. And then uh, second thing, that was the second time he had done it. The, oh, the okay. DP that was yeah. the second take he had blown. So oh, okay. this was. See, I didn't know all this. I, this I, was so he, but he says it in the in the he, says he the mentions thing, yeah, it's the, the second, second time, time. like yeah. that. He probably the first time he blew up, but it was small. But yeah. he, but it's the that, second time that he's walking in there, ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> now, admittedly, here's the thing: if the DP was walking around and saying that, da, 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 yeah. I'm on board with bail now because that's real. I don't think that's appropriate it's, at all. No. That's the one reason that I wish there was video of this because I want to know what he's <laughs> yeah, doing when he says walking like this, ah, da, 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 da. and you know he's probably doing a little hand thing. Ah, da, 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 I know. heard he was skipping and throwing. <laughs> 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 well, I, I was, it's weird. Both of these things because there was the Alec Baldwin tape. I also sided with Baldwin. Now I'm not. I didn't Whoa. like not a, like not that his girl his uh, daughter was an actual thoughtless little pig, <laughs> but uh, my, my. Do you know her? Uh, actually, kind of hot, isn't she? Was that her at the SAG Awards? Did anyone know see that? I didn't. I don't no, watch this. Uh, no, I never. Watched. Um, so, my parents were divorced. I, it's basically I think you're either on Team Bissinger or Team uh, Team Baldwin, and Alec Baldwin clearly is kind of a prick who has anger issues and but, a little nutty and a little nutty. I'll, but, I'll go with that, but Basinger, ba- yeah, <laughs> Basinger. Like, how the fuck would you? Re- why would you release that? Why would you really? If we, as a as a mother, that's the father of your child. Even if you hate him, yeah, just to embarrass him that much, you drag your daughter in and mm-hmm. and poison their relationship in a public way right. with the like that is crazy. And like you know, my 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 parents were divorced and they had custody issues and there was anger and ill feeling and it caused them to do weird things, you know. And if like someone recorded them at their most petty, mm-hmm. you know, like it would have sounded awful. Yeah, the you know, so so I, I wasn't like, and I don't think Alec Baldwin is a great human being, but I also think that it's the same. It's a similar thing. Like it was recorded to, and used to embarrass them in a in a public setting. Yeah. Um. Well, we've been going for a very long time. We got to wrap it up, uh, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think about the time that Pilar came in here, we probably should have started wrapping <laughs> yeah. it up. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Kind of in our way. Stop walking around, Pilar. That's a, that's a, uh, we're trying to record a podcast. Yeah. We should have really freaked out. We should have really, like the four of us, just all freaked out. 
Um, and then just reference Mick G. Mick G, what do you have to say about it? <laughs> I didn't see it. I wasn't really listening. But yeah, so this is episode 100. It was, uh, you know, on, uh, it's very exciting. I, I'm, we've been doing this for 100 Congratulations, weeks, Congratulations, guys. Thank it's you. It's really Thank an you. exciting I, milestone for you. Yeah, it's, you. it's exciting that, you know, you, you put all your, your effort and labor into something, and then uh, and over 100 times... And then to see that it's still growing and, and that you guys are still doing well and more uh, invigorated than ever, I hope. Yeah. You said effort. I thought you were about to say that you put all your eggs in one basket, <laughs> which, man, you're right. Uh, but uh, anyway, but yeah, thanks to everybody who uh, who has supported us over the last uh, 100 episodes. That, of course, that's includes... has supported, not has aborted, which has, is what it sounded right. like. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, those people, I don't need you. Uh, but, but yeah, thanks to everybody. Thanks to, you know, Matt for... Uh, you know, early on, you were one of the first people to really help us with, like, equipment uh, and just being on the show when you didn't have to be. And, you know, and thanks. <laughs> Wait, just I didn't have to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh. David, what did you tell me? I'm going to go back and read the email. What a weird um, what a weird way to thank someone for being on your show. Well, that's the you thing. know, you came on and you didn't have to. Well, what I, guess what I, I mean didn't put a gun to your head, but you sat down and talked about movies. What I mean to say, and this goes for all of our guests, is that, like, honestly... We have more to benefit from having guests on than the guests themselves, and so but it's very it's very generous and selfless. That but you it is come fun. On here. It's fun to, if you love movies. It's fun to talk about movies All with right. people who love movies too. So. It's yeah. It's, that that's attitude. that's what you guys are doing, and it's great to have a, a place to come and hear uh, funny and uh, intellectual discussions about movies because it certainly isn't on TV nowadays. What's what's his face? Ben uh, Lyons. Ben Lyons. And, oh, yeah, and the other Ben as well. Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's a uh, Let's take That's them not- down. That should be your goal for the <laughs> yeah. next 100 episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 200 episodes from now, I want you guys to be on TV and just saying, fuck you, Ben Lyons. <laughs> That's, yeah, that, would that be like the that first would be your opener? Na- that would be your opener. It's at the movies. The name of the we show. made it to TV. Hi, but yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, and uh, we'll get you next time. Bye, 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 bye. bye. bye.